It's Tuesday, October 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, hey. Uh, we got a lot going on. We yes, got, we do. We've got some housing stuff. We've got some pizza to discuss. Mm-hmm. The business of pizza. Uh, we've got the... Uh, the, oh. the bur- <laughs> I knew we shouldn't have taped this before lunch. Uh, we've got Berkshire Hathaway in the news. Let's start, though, with uh, Johnson & Johnson. Help me out here, man. Third quarter profits, higher than expected. They raised guidance. They did. And stock down, not a lot, but stock down about 1.5%. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think with Johnson & Johnson, one, you have a very big company. Um, that is, you know, it's it's obviously not a growth story per se. I mean, this is going to be more of an income style investment. I think that, uh, you know, for a company this size, growing the top line at that rate, five, six, seven percent, you know, they do a great job of bringing results down to the to the bottom line, and, and that's why you saw that that raise in the earnings guidance. Um, you know, pharmaceutical division is really what's driving the bus here for this company. The growth of eighteen percent. Uh, for the quarter, and it accounts for 55% of the company's operating profits. So they know, I think, where the opportunity really lies. And when you look at when you look at the other segments of the business, medical devices and, and the consumer segments, those are those are not those are not growing, uh, you know, at, at nearly the same rates. And so, you know, consequently, you see, I think it was about a month ago, they made about a, a 1.75 billion dollar acquisition of a little biofarm. Uh, you know, so they they see, I think, the opportunity in in, in prescription drugs, and and that's really, I think, where they're focusing their attention. Um, so it, it, I don't know if the market maybe sees it as becoming a little bit more, uh, you know, sort of, or rather, a little bit less dynamic, or maybe focused a little bit more on just one particular strength of the business. But you know, I mean, I, one thing I noticed on on the balance sheet, I mean, they they authorized another five billion dollars in sherry purchases, and that's fine. We've seen a lot of sherry purchases going on. But when you look at over over the course of time here, they spent some of them heard of twenty twenty so billion dollars here on share buybacks, and their share count's actually gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, for a company like this. Uh, that to me is, I mean, if I'm a shareholder, I'm pretty in- insulted by that because they don't yield, you know, a tremendous amount of the dividend. It's about two point eight percent. So for me personally, I'd love to see them, you know, if they're going to buy back shares, make sure to bring that share count down. And hey, choose the dividend, guys. I mean, give your shareholders some some money to put in their pockets because I think that's really, uh, you know, this is a strong business. It's a state business. Going to be around for a while. But I think from a shareholder's perspective, you know, there are more compelling stories out there for me today. Well, and I th- to your point about the dividend, I think that's a smart move long term. Because if you look at the performance of the stock, the last couple of years, it's been really strong. It's yeah. been a market yeah, beater over the last couple of years. But I also look at it. I look at the size of this company. I look at the challenge of, yes, pharmaceuticals uh, were really good this quarter. And, and probably that's the way to keep investing if you're Johnson and Johnson to keep investing in that space but you know we've we've seen big drug makers uh, deal with generics yeah. uh, and the rise of generics and so I think the to your point the case for shareholders over the next two to five years really needs to be one that involves a, a Hiking the dividend, yeah, and I mean, you look at the generic drugs. I mean, that's an interesting sort of dilemma there because they pressure the top line growth because you can't charge as much, but they can be more profitable, which which help you know the bottom line. 
but yeah, I mean, to your point about the stock over the past couple of years, it's done very well. If you stretch that out a little bit further, look at it over five years, it, it's done okay. It's re- returned about 60% over five years, and it's nothing really to write home about. Uh, it was trailing or is trailing the market for, for on that timeline. And, and so, yeah, I think that for shareholders to really be enticed by this one, I think there needs to be yeah, bump in the dividend, and for God's sake, guys, when you buy shares back at that size, <laughs> when you're that big, bring the share count down. A week ago Monday, when you were in here, I asked you, what is the thing you're going to be watching during earnings season? You said housing. Yeah. Uh, and you specifically mentioned Home Depot and Lowe's mm-hmm. and sort of how would they do relative to more specialty retailers like Tile Shop in in that space. Uh, so I'm curious as to your your reaction uh, when you might have seen this morning that an analyst at SunTrust downgraded both Lowe's and Home Depot um, in advance of their report of earnings. Does that? Uh, and I, I don't know who this analyst is and what their track record is, um, but at, at least someone is making the public call that they're they're not so bullish at least on the near term. Well, I mean, Chris, everybody's got an opinion, right? You know what they say about <laughs> <Yes>. those. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I look at when I look at Lowe's and Home Depot, and I compare the two businesses. I mean, I think I've always been pretty upfront favoring the Home Depot side of that equation. It's not to say Lowe's is, is a bad business by any means. Um, you know, when, when this earnings season has gotten underway, and we've seen some housing-related stocks, Tile uh, or uh, the Container Store, obviously took took a big hit. Zillow, you see, coming back down to reality here, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, I think that Home Depot and Lowe's will tend to do better because of their scale, because they have you know a wider selection. Uh, for me, when it comes to Lowe's, I want to know more about their e-commerce and mobile strategy. I think that's really interesting. When you look at last year's numbers, they uh, they brought in about just a little bit over a billion dollars uh, via e-commerce. Uh, and then to put that in context, they brought in about fifty three billion dollars altogether in, in sales. So it's still a very small portion of their of their overall uh, of the overall sales number, but. Um, yeah, you know, with Lowe's, I mean, it's because Home Depot has a bigger scale; they have more stores. I would, I would argue that Home Depot has a brand that resonates with consumers, uh, you know, a little bit more favorably. They certainly made the big investment recently in, in customer service, and, and I think that's playing out as well. Uh, you know, they maintain better margins. I think that's it. You know, they 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 keep about the same sort of gross gross margin line there between thirty four thirty five percent. When you look at the net margin, uh, it's it's no contest. Lowe's is bringing in four and a half percent net margins. Home Depot is over seven, and so they're utilizing their scale, utilizing the efficiency of their operations to bring that to bring that down to the bottom line. And consequently, you've seen Home Depot perform very well. Um, when I see downgrades like this, I mean, I, I don't think the stocks are really reacting too too much to it uh, either. So I. I yeah, there's going to be a bit of a. I think there's some concerns about the, the sensitivity of the consumer out there, the economic sensitivity of the consumer out there. I don't think Lowe's and Home Depot are going to be as exposed to that, though, as sort of the other niche plays like the container store, tile shop, things like that. It's a little bit of a balancing act they have to do from a branding standpoint and from a, uh, I guess, an advertising standpoint. Because if you look at how Home Depot and Lowe's advertise their businesses, there's an element that's, hey, why don't you get off your butt and do something? (laughs) There's a little bit of that going on, which is tough because obviously they want more people doing more home improvement projects coming in. But it's one of those where you kind of got to, it's not just, hey, come to this restaurant because we have delicious food. It's, 
uh, we're going to need you to get up off the sofa, put down the remote control, stop watching the football game, and uh, and come uh, start working on your deck. <laughs> so it's like it's like when you, we're both married. So I mean, I think we could we've been married for a while. So I think we could we could relate to this. It's like when you're sitting down watching the game or something at home, and and your your better half is maybe she gets up and she's kind of straightening up the house, cleaning up, or doing something, and. You, you can kind of get that vibe, but she's thinking in her mind, you know, you ought to get off your ass and clean up this place with me. I can't believe you're just sitting there. And so I think, yeah, with the Home Depot and Lowe's commercials as well, you sit there and you watch and you're like, yeah, I, I really need to go do the yard work. But it's just not uh, – you figure out a way to, to justify In fact, I think – I could be wrong on this. I think Lowe's tagline on their TV commercials is, let's do something together. <laughs> but part of that is, hey, let's, let's – why don't you come on in and we'll, we'll help you. I, let's do something. I think, it, it, I think it's Lowe's that has the commercial uh, now where it's like the individual and then their football self. And they're sort of two split – people and, and like the the football self is sitting there encouraging the real person to get their work done on Saturday because if they don't get it done on Saturday, you know what they're doing Sunday. They're not going to be able to watch football. I think that's Lowe's. I could be wrong. You mentioned Zillow. I got to say, uh, just since we're talking about commercials, I'm really impressed with the branding that Zillow is doing in their television commercials. I think they have made I've a seen that too. tremendous leap from being sort of this website where you can go and get information to being much more of a, we are the company that's going to help you find your home. It's much more about homeownership, um, and it's much more emotional. I think whoever came up with that did a great job. Big family dynamic there. I, I, I would agree. And, you know, Zillow has been a stock that's been on my watch list for a while just because I feel like, you know, they have a good strategy in trying to, to bring a bunch of different brands under their umbrella, so to speak, and give, you know, the consumer different outlets, whether they're looking to purchase a home, just get information or potentially rent a home. I think there's a tremendous opportunity in rentals for them as well. And so to see that stock pulling back, uh, I'm encouraged just from the perspective of, you know, I'm, I have it on my watch list of, of one of the shares that I'd, I'd like to add to my portfolio. So, that, so that, you know, it, it's it's coming about that time, because I do believe that that is a, a business that's going to be relevant for a long time. It's only getting better. And you got a young CEO in Spencer Raskoff, who I think is thrilled to be doing what he's doing. And I, I think he's going to be there for a long time to come. Shares of Domino's Pizza hitting a new high today after some really strong third quarter results. Uh, I'm Kind of like we talked about with Costco last week, I'm looking at Domino's quarter. I'm trying to find a weak spot. I'm not really seeing one. They were strong in the U.S. They were strong overseas. And their comp sales were just eye-popping. Yeah, they're just getting it done, it seems like, all front, all, all fronts. And I, I was looking at the international uh, numbers. I mean, international store sales up 18% versus 8.5% last year. And so, to me, I mean, I think that that's really a, a, the biggest opportunity for Domino's because it's still international sales make up such a small percentage of the overall uh, sales numbers, like 13% or something. So, I mean, they can certainly uh, continue to build that brand. Now, you know, I remember actually when we lived in Cairo, Egypt, uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, we had ordered Domino's uh, while, while we were there. And it, it was relatively consistent with the offering that you would get here. So, they obviously have uh, done a good job of sort of translating that into international markets. The one, you know, Anne behind the glass there has had something a little bit earlier uh, you know, she she I think said she preferred Domino's here as far as the fast food style pizza goes, and and I wonder you know we're seeing the proliferation here of more sort of craft pizzerias yeah. so to speak. You know, you've got Chipotle investing in that pizzeria locale, 
Uh, you've got Blaze Pizza, which I've never I've never been to, but apparently that's taking hold. You've got Buffalo Wild Wings investing in Pizza Rev, and so that you, you see sort of this this new sort of market forming for pizza. I mean, pizza is obviously very uh, a strong market here, domestically speaking. I wonder if we're not going to see kind of a, a migration towards more of those craft pizzerias, people sort of foregoing the Papa John's and the Domino's and the Pizza Hut's to go get something like a Pizzeria Locale or, or a Pizza Rev or something, if, if it's a better, more quality offering. Well, it's an incredibly competitive industry. And yeah. if you're looking at a, uh, you know, uh, a pie chart of uh, market share... Pie chart. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, had, I, I had nowhere else to go. Um, the biggest market share is from local mom-and-pop pizzerias. Um, Domino's yeah. is the second largest in the U.S. Pizza Hut is the largest. But both of those uh, are are much smaller. I think the the numbers, uh, and I'm probably off by one or two percent here, but I think it's fifty two percent of the overall market in the U.S. is local, independent mom and pop pizzerias, and then you've got making up that other forty eight percent. You've got some combination of Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa John's, Little Caesars, etc. But it, I I think it's I think you're right because it's it's going to be an interesting space to watch because you will have first and foremost Chipotle and the extent to which they decide they want to ramp up. Were you t- what were you telling me recently about either a quote from an executive at Chipotle or an analyst that you read who was making the comment that they uh, basically sharing their belief that Pizzeria Locale could be a bigger concept for Chipotle than the Chipotle restaurants themselves. Yeah, you know, I, it was an interview with Steve Ells, the founder and, okay. and uh, co-CEO of Chipotle, and and they have just, you know, they, this Pizzeria Locale is just a brand new uh, concept. I mean, they just, I think, opened up their second store uh, it's in, based in, in Denver. Colorado. Yeah, right. and so they they were having a sit down with him, and and he was talking about the growth that they're seeing, the demand, the the signs of this of this pizza concept. And, and all signs were pointing towards it's growing faster than Chipotle was at that stage. They see potentially a far larger market opportunity than than they saw with Chipotle at that stage, and that that to me is amazing. Like when I look at investing in the pizza market, I mean, I, I think I'd probably just rather get my exposure through something like Chipotle because I, I you know, number one, I, I love me a good Neapolitan pie. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's how they differentiate themselves, right? The quality of the ingredients in Neapolitan pizza. Uh, and so I, I can only hope that they'll uh, do what they did with the shop house and open up open up one here, sort of as a test market. But yeah, I mean, like look at Pizza Day here at, at the Fool. I mean, every every uh, the end of every month we have Pizza Day here, and we probably have like eighty eighty to one hundred pizzas. And so you have your Domino's, Papa John's, and Pizza Huts or whatever that, that they can kind of get that scale to establish sort of the base to make sure everybody gets some pizza. But then for me, I always like getting the, the, the little local you know joints. I mean, for me that I like that pizza better anyway. Um, so when I look at something like Domino's, I mean, yes, they're making it happen on all fronts. But by the same token, I don't know if this is a company that I'd want to invest in as like a long-term growth store. To me, it's a bit more of like a value investment. So I think that you know you want to focus on this one when the, when you know it's depressed, when the news is bad, you know, and then then buy and then be be ready to sell when you feel like the optimism is is at its highest. I mean, you look at it today; it's twenty-eight times earnings, it's about thirty times free cash flow. So as an investment, yeah, it's done really well. But I don't know that it, it it's not on the you know the top of my list as one to, to buy it. You got to give them credit on the operational front, though, because you don't put up the kind of same store sales growth numbers that they just put up unless you have 
a, a business that uh, everyone is bought into and is operating at a very high level. Absolutely. And I think you know they recognized the biggest problem was the quality of the offering. They came in there and completely revamped it. I mean, every once in a while, I will have dominoes, and, and I can say that I, I, I see a difference for sure. Um, that, that, to me, was, was the biggest uh, most most positive move they could have made was to really get in there and try to change the product. Patrick Doyle is the CEO there. I think isn't he the guy who? When he, yeah, I think it's Patrick Doyle. And when he got the job, or I guess when he was interviewing for the job, it was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of sounds like uh, the number one complaint is the quality of the pizza. So if I were CEO, I think I'd look to fix that. <laughs> Sometimes the simplest explanation is is the best and the right one. <laughs> uh, before we get to our final story, uh, I've mentioned the special offer we have on Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Um, you can now get it by text message. Um, you can text the word FOOL to the number 38470. Let me repeat that. Send a text message to 38470, 38470. Just text the word FOOL, and we'll send you a text message back with a link. You can get 75% off Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Great way to get started investing. So uh, just send us a text. Interesting story uh, one of our listeners flagged for us, and I apologize because I don't have his name handy. Um, But uh, a story in the New York Times about Warren Buffett really pushing the Berkshire Hathaway brand and goes into pretty good detail about it's not just, you know, one of the businesses here or there. It's also, you know, buying a new business and rebranding at Berkshire Hathaway Energy. This uh, automotive uh, dealership that they just bought is going to be Berkshire Hathaway Automotive. Um, and I was curious what you thought about this, because clearly, and and part of the story points that that that's Buffett the brand of Warren Buffett is incredibly strong and resonates uh, across a much wider audience because he's one of the wealthiest guys in the world. And the Berkshire Hathaway brand in and of itself is not as well known, does not resonate as much. Um, and there was a quote from someone basically saying they're trying to make Berkshire Hathaway the modern day version of the good housekeeping seal, hmm. which when you think about their uh, toes in the businesses of insurance, um, automotive, all that sort of thing. It's a good strategy to aspire to. I'm wondering if they can pull it off. You know, I think it probably is the smart thing to do. I mean, in the short run, certainly, uh, you know, Warren Buffett, is going to be a powerful enough brand where people, I think, will, would see if it was Warren Buffett Motors or Warren Buffett Homes or something like that. I think people would get it, see it, and understand sort of you know the value proposition there. But when you when you look further down the road, when when Warren's no longer with us, and when they have to sort of keep this keep this company going um, in the same direction, it, it's going to it's going to behoove them to have. A, a brand identity in, in Berkshire Hathaway and a brand that communicates quality and uh, you know something that consumers can trust. So, I I, I mean I've I've noticed driving around, it seems like you see more buildings with Berkshire Hathaway's name on it, whether yeah. it's housing or operations, whatever it may be. Um, and I, I think that's neat. I mean I, I own Berkshire Hathaway shares, and, and I mean I own them partly because I just you know I feel. Almost obligated as an investor, but but I mean I, I enjoy holding those shares, and for me I'd like to hold them forever, to be honest with you. And and I think that um, you know they they continue to groom this brand and make sure that they communicate quality and trust with it. I think it's something that'll resonate with consumers, so that you know maybe when our kids are our age, they'll see you know Berkshire Hathaway's brand and, and recognize that and, and know know the story behind it. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, to your point, there are a lot of businesses that fall under that umbrella, right? You can't you can't change all of them. I mean, you can't say you know instead of Geico, it's going to be Berkshire Hathaway Auto Insurance. I mean, but right. you know, you're going to be able to say Geico, a Berkshire Hathaway company, and I think Dairy Queen is not going to be Berkshire Hathaway ice cream. <laughs> no, no one, no one wants to. No, no one not, wants that ice cream. You're not going to have Berkshire Hathaway candies, right? right. I mean, it's going to be C's, and I think they have they have the the smart the smart uh, you know idea there. But yeah, I think being able to throw that brand on there of a Berkshire Hathaway company, I think could be a tremendous uh, driver of value in the long run. And and I mean, I guess, hey, you know, keep an eye on that interbrands list of top brands in the world, you know, and maybe if you see Berkshire Hathaway make that list one day, then, you know, you know they've made it. You know it, it paid <laughs> off. All right. Thanks for being here. You got it. Uh, once again, send us a text, uh, text the word fool to 38470. Uh, for a special offer on Motley Fool Stock Advisor. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Ann Henry. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.